0: All right, Harvest Muskoka, Harvest Prairie Sound. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning, that's not a problem. We got people here who love to put a Bible into your hands. If you raise your hand because you didn't bring a Bible, forgot a Bible, here's the thing. If you don't own a Bible, for sure raise your hand and grab one of these as our gift to you so you can have a copy of God's Word. That's where we're gonna be in this morning. That's where we, we jump in because God said something. I don't have a lot of great things to say, but God sure does. So grab a copy of God's Word, Galatians Chapter 1, as we start a new series in this book of Galatians, as you're turning there, I was, I was thinking just this week, I don't know if you guys ever did this, Do you ever play the uh, Floor's Hot Lava game? Anybody else do that, right? You're in your living room as a kid, or maybe as an adult you still do this, that's weird, but that's cool too, right? And you're like, Floor's Hot Lava! And you jump up on the coffee table, you can't touch the carpet. Do you ever, come on, people play this game? Okay. You guys totally did. You just not raising your hand, right? And, you're, and you'd have to jump from the coffee table to the couch, right? And if, if you touch the carpet, it's hot lava, you die, right? And I remember doing that as a kid all the time, and we would, we would see how far we could jump, right? Like, if the coffee table's really far away from that, like that far lazy boy, can we make that leap, and then boom, the lazy boy flips over, right? It got me thinking, though, what's the longest jump ever recorded? Okay, you don't need to get your phone out and Google it. I already did it for you, all right? I looked it up. There's this guy named Mike Powell, 1991. You ready? He jumped 29 feet, four and a quarter inches. Okay, how big is that? You ready? Here's how big it is. If you're in Paris, I'm about to leave the screen, okay? The rapture doesn't happen. You have not been left behind, but here you are, right? (laughs) This is what it is. Couch is here, and you're jumping to the coffee table over here. Alright? Okay, I'm back, pretty soon. Alright, so that's the, that's the jump. Alright, so picture that. And some of you are going, yeah, I could probably do that. No, you could not. Alright? In a hurricane, you're not making that jump. Okay? Well, maybe if I worked out a little bit, listen, all the P90X, all the gluten-free diet you've got, you're not making that jump. Okay? Right? If i got to run, for you can start running from Barry, and you're not going to make that jump. Okay? So that, that's this, this huge jump, and, and it got me thinking again. Imagine this. Imagine the, the Summer Olympics are coming up in Rio, right? This this summer. And all of a sudden they announce, hey, hey, we got a new event. We're gonna add it in. It's called hot lava floor, all right? And, 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 and you're gonna be able to do this jump thing, but, but the, the, the way you get into it, the, the jump you have to make... To jump into this, here, they're going to add even more to it. Not, not only will you win a gold medal, there's a $100 million prize here, all right. But the, the qualifying jump you have to make, it's not even going to be the, the 29 feet from the coffee table to the couch. How, how about this? The qualifying jump is going to be from Muskoka to London. Like London, England, I can't do it. London, Ontario, you still couldn't do it, all right? If, right, if, if you're going to, that's, that's the qualifying jump. The straight line distance from Bracebridge to London, Ontario was 277 kilometers, right? That's that world record 31,000 times. You're like, nobody can make that jump, Kai. This, This illustration is going to ridiculous places. Where are you going with this? Listen, the spiritual distance between us and God is greater than that jump. Greater than jumping from Muskoka to London, It's 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 as physically impossible as it is for us to make that physical jump. It is spiritually impossible for any one of us in that in this room to make this jump from who we are, where we are spiritually to be with God. Here's the problem. Many people think they can. And that, that, that's where Christianity steps in, and it, it, it makes Christianity so unique because here's the thing. God doesn't ask you to make that jump from Bracebridge to London. No, God himself makes the jump from London to you. He does something that, that we could never do. In, in the Bible, it's called grace. It's what we call Grace. And we're gonna walk our way through the book of Galatians over the next couple months talking about what is this grace? What is this good news we call the gospel? And it's this letter written by a guy named Paul, and he writes it to this church after he plants this church, starts this church up. This letter is written, they're, they're guessing, maybe only 15 years after Christ had died and rose again. And it's this letter all about grace. And my prayer is that in this series that we would understand grace better. Live out of the place of grace. And maybe for you, maybe you're here this morning and you've never responded. And my hope and prayer is this, that for the very first time that you'd receive God's grace into your life. You recognize, I, I can't make that jump. I, I need God to step in here. The series we're calling is just simply called Freedom. Freedom this church in Galatia, which is now modern-day Turkey, had forgotten the freedom that they have in Christ. They'd forgotten the freedom that comes from the grace of God, and it's a big deal when we mess up the gospel, when we mess up grace. The good news of God's grace is a big deal and we start acting like, or we start living out, or we start showing other people or telling other people that, that, that there's a different way where you can be right with God, that, that there's this jump you need to make, and you got to leap from this coffee table to this couch for it to happen. If you want to be in relation with God, when we mess that up, when we mess up grace, it's a big deal. H- how big of a deal? This letter that Paul writes, it's different from every other letter that he writes to churches that we have recorded in the New Testament here. All his other letters, he always starts off with something nice to say. He always starts off his letters with a, you know, I thank God for you. He always starts off with, here's how blessed you are, and I'm so thankful for you. He was even writing the Corinthian church. You read 1 Corinthians. That Corinthian church is a jacked-up church. Right? They, they weren't taking care of the poor. They didn't give a rip about them. They had fights going on in their church all the time. They had a dude in their church, and they didn't deal with it. A dude in their church who was sleeping with his stepmom. They were getting drunk during communion. All right, we got problems in our church, but I don't know if we hit that level, right? It's tough to get drunk on grape juice too, but anyway, all right? Paul writes that church and he says, I thank God for you. Not this church in Galatia. He skips by all those niceties. He jumps in with some serious language right away. Why is he so upset? What fills him with this righteous anger? They messed up grace. They messed up the gospel. He had started this church with this amazing truth of grace. That God made the jump for you. And in such a short time, they had missed it. They would lost it. People had come into the church in Galatia. Paul calls them Judaizers. These people come in, they say, yeah, 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 Jesus is cool. We get that. Jesus died, rose again. That's great. We understand that. But that can't be all there is. You also have to add this other stuff. And what do they do? They started adding in more more of the Jewish religion to it. You got to keep doing the Jewish religious stuff. Yeah, Jesus is good, but you also can't have bacon. Oh, man, really? Right? You need to be circumcised. Maybe that's worse than the bacon. You you have to do all these rites and rituals if you want to be made right with God. If you want to do all this stuff, and the church began to drift from the gospel. And listen, listen. Harvest Muskoka, Harvest Prairie Sand. We've been a church for the last seven or eight years. What have we done? We have tried so hard to stay focused, pounding out in preaching, in teaching, in worship, and in, in small group, and everything we do and say, trying to stay focused on this one thing. We're about the gospel. It's the gospel that drives everything. That's how we do our lives. It's how we do our relationships. It, it informs how we parent. It, it, it tells us how we give and live and do work and do everything, everything informed and transformed by the gospel. But listen, it's so easy to drift. It's so easy to begin to lose the gospel here in our church. It's so easy to begin to fall away, and, and our, our generosity doesn't become so, gri- so, so radical anymore. Our, our community isn't so, so driven by the gospel. Forgiveness begins to fall away. The gospel begins to be lost, and we begin to heap more and more man-made rituals and rules onto ourselves. And, and there comes this time where in churches we can say, yeah, 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 the gospel, the good news, I get that. I give my life to Jesus, but can we move on to better, deeper, more things than that? And we begin to drift we lose that freedom that we were promised. And what quickly happens is our church quickly becomes a country club instead of being on mission. Our church quickly becomes a cruise ship when we're supposed to be a rescue ship because we lose the gospel. So if you're taking notes this morning, how about we jump right in here with this, point number one, then what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What's Paul talking about here? What's he so excited about here? What is the gospel? Verse one starts like this, this letter that Paul's writing. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this, Paul, an apostle, now listen here, do you hear something? He calls himself an apostle. Now some, some churches love that word and they jump on that word and, and there's some place where, you, where maybe you've been to church, you've gone to church, or you know people in church, where someone kind of uses that term for them, I'm an apostle. You have to respect me because I'm an apostle. The word apostle just means someone who's been sent. So you can respond, me too, because I'm following Jesus, right? We're all apostles in one sense, right? Jesus has sent us out on mission, okay? So, so you can grab that title for yourself. Go, Good, me too. You can call me Apostle Kai, right? Not gonna do that, right? But that's that's the idea here. Now, Paul, though, in a bit of a different way, Paul's kind of a, not just an apostle, like we all are apostles, but there were, there was a handful in the New Testament, right? The, the 12 and Paul, these people that were, where there's a bit of difference, where, where they weren't just an apostle as sent ones, but they were sent with this specific, spoken to, by Jesus, seen the resurrected Christ, and sent out personally on a mission. that's Paul here. Now, why why is he starting there? Because these Judaizers who came into the church and started talking about, well, there's got to be more than just the gospel. You know what they said? They said, this Paul guy, he's a nut bar. Who's he? He doesn't have any authority. No, 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 no. Here's our authority. Here's what it is. So Paul steps and goes, no, no, no. I'm not coming here just as a guy with an idea. I'm coming as someone who's been sent by Christ. Look what he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men. It's not my own deal. I didn't make this stuff up. He goes, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. He goes, listen, this is something we're all about. I'm not making this up on my own. He says, this is from Jesus Christ. This is the church. So what then is the gospel? Look at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul saying, Hey, hey, let me start with where you've drifted from. Let me start with this good news. You've drifted from, from the good news and grace of the gospel, which is this that you were delivered by Jesus. And, and you've moved into this religious idea where the gospel is no longer, the word gospel just means good news, but it's no longer good news. Now it's good advice. I mean, there's a world of difference between good news and good advice. Gospel, it's, it's actually a, a military term from the ancient world, and what would happen is a king would go out, and when the king had a victory in battle, defeated the enemy, he would send back messengers, angels, that's what angel means, sends back messengers with what? With gospel, with good news. And they would come back and say, the victory's been won. It's, it's a fact, an historical thing has happened, and now your life can be changed because of it. That's the gospel. good Good news. Good advice would be this. The king loses the battle. He then sends messengers back with good advice, saying, hey, 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 lock the doors, round up the troops, get the archers on the wall. You guys better be ready, fight for your life, because, right, that's good advice. Here's the rituals, here's the rules, here's the regulations, here's what we need to do. The gospel says it's been done. Good advice brings fear. Good news brings joy. Good advice leaves the whole thing up to you. You better do this. The gospel, good news, tells you someone else has already won. Verse 4 says that we've been delivered. That's the gospel. You've been delivered. You've been rescued. You've been set free by Jesus. And the Bible uses a lot of metaphors to, to describe what is this deliverance, this rescue look like. It says, you were blind. You couldn't see. Not, not not, I need glasses. Blind. You can't see anything. I mean, and think about that. That before Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, you are blind. Can't see anything in the dark wake up middle of the night, power's out, cloudy, no light in the house. What's it like? Right there's there's fear that comes from that. There's doubt. There's there's stumbling around. You you can't get around very easily and he's, that's what Paul's saying. That's what the gospel's saying. Listen, before Christ, you're blind. The Bible also says this, not only were you blind, you were lost. Lost without Jesus. Now, have you ever been really lost before? There was a time I was with some students, and we were on this road trip with students in a past ministry I was in, and we were in the, the hills in Tennessee looking for this rock climbing site we wanted to go to, lost out of our minds, totally like We were like up in the hills, and, and they're like, hey, Kai, didn't you drive by that cabin like three times already? Yeah, I like the cabin, all right? Like when you're lost, you, you deny it, don't you, all right? That's part of being lost. You don't know you're lost. We were so back in these backwoods of Tennessee, like to a place, they don't even know the Civil War ended, right? They they don't even, like the South lost, guys. They don't even know that, right? And so we're back there totally lost, nothing we could do to rescue ourselves until a park ranger came and found us. It's like, y'all lost? (laughs) Yes, right? Listen, outside of Christ, you were lost. Hey, Christians, let's get our language right, okay? You didn't find God. We use that a lot, don't we? You know, I was searching and I found God. God was not lost, all right? It's like, oh, there, we've been looking for you, God. No, no, you were lost. God found you. God was on a rescue mission for you. He is right now. If you're here this morning, listen, God is pursuing you. If you don't know Jesus, he set this up this morning. Do you get this? That he's arranged all of this, why? To pursue you because you're lost and he's looking to find you. When we're lost, we have fear, we have doubt, we have no direction, we're going nowhere, but God's on a rescue mission. The Bible also says this about our need for rescue, not only are we blind and lost, why, why do we need to be delivered? Because you're dead. That, that, that's the, the words used in scripture that, that before Christ you are dead. I mean, think about this. Imagine all of us right now, we're at a funeral and there's a coffin up here and Fred is in the coffin. Sorry if your name's Fred, there's nothing prophetic about it. I've just picked a name, right? Rhymes with dead, Fred. So Fred is in the coffin, all right? And I, I get up and I'm, I'm leading this service for us all because Fred was a great guy, we want to come And I get up and I start preaching and I say this. Hey guys, would you pray for Fred? He's in a tough place right now. He's really struggling, right? You you okay, two problems. One, Fred's dead, two, your pastor's crazy, right? If I start talking about Fred's made some past mistakes, he he needs to improve his life a little bit. And I'm praying that Fred would figure out some self-improvement techniques to be able to get his life out of the mess he's in right now. No, Fred's not struggling, Fred's dead. There aren't, there aren't things that he needs to improve apart from the supernatural. There's nothing that's gonna improve the person laying in the casket apart from Jesus Christ. Listen, apart from Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. You're not bad. Sin doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. Jesus didn't come to take bad people and make them good. He came to take dead people and make them alive. The Bible says without Jesus, you're dead. You can't do anything to improve yourself. So what's the gospel? What's it say? You're delivered, blind, lost, dead. So your sight, your rescue, your new life, it's all from God. We're not smart enough to figure this out on our own. We're not smart enough to go, I need to be rescued. Here's what I need to do to be rescued. We're, we're We're not smart. We can't make that jump from Muskoka to London. Only one thing has brought you to a place where you've been given sight, you've been found, you've been given life. The only thing is this, the calling love of your heavenly father. God the father, the one who pursues you, the one who redeems you, who saves you, who raises you from the dead. And this is what Paul wants us to understand. He's going, listen, listen, God did all the work. Why do you keep trying to change this? Why do you keep trying to add stuff to this? God did it all. Look at him in verse 6. Look what he says. He says, I'm a, he just laid out the gospel. And he says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He goes, not that there is another one. There is no other good news. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Hear Paul's words. What are you saying? He said, are you kidding me? What are you doing? You're deserting you're messing up this truth of the gospel and you're deserting it. You're, you're not just deserting a, an idea. You're not just deserting a thought. What do you say? You're deserting him. You're deserting Jesus. You're deserting your king to pursue a whole other king. And it's a big deal. So if we got what the gospel is, then what's Paul so upset about? What isn't the gospel? Our second point this morning, what, what isn't the gospel then? Paul's very upset. Hey, you guys have deserted the gospel of Christ for another gospel. Not that there is one, but you're pursuing these false gospels. So so what are some false gospels we could see around us today? Gospels that even permeate, come into our church. Well, there's the gospel of morality. You do more good things than you do bad things, you're gonna be okay when you stand before God. Remember though, what did we just discover? No, 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 I'm blind, lost, and dead. The jump is too far. And yet often, how often do we hear churches and preachers preach this kind of message? Man, I grew up in church. I grew up in youth group that told me this. Listen, if you just don't drink, don't do drugs, don't get your girlfriend pregnant when you get out of high school, you're a success. That's the morality gospel. And here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying those things aren't things we aspire to because of of the holiness of Christ. That's the bar set way too low. That's telling a blind person how to manage their darkness. That's, that's telling the lost person, why don't you just set up a tent and live where you are? That's telling the dead person, hey, here's some more things you can do. Maybe if you exercise a little more. We're shooting way too low if, if, if that's what we say we want as a church. Listen, I want more than just nice, good citizens coming out of our church. I want dangerous disciples of God's grace that we're transformed and so we're agents of transformation in our communities, in our families, in our church. Listen, the last point, we're gonna get to what the gospel does to change you. Our lives will look different, but for now, understand this, how we live doesn't get us grace. Grace is unearned. If you could make that jump, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Grace is from God. There's a gospel of morality here. Here's another gospel, another false gospel. The gospel of, my family are Christians. You heard that? Well, my grandma believed in Jesus. My, my parents go to church. All of us are responsible to respond to grace on our own. No one's showing up in heaven saying, I'm with him, unless you're pointing to Jesus, right? Here's another false gospel you see a lot. It's the genie gospel the genie gospel if I, I just pray i just rub my little lamp i just do the right rituals then the bentleys rain from heaven right maybe you're like yeah that's ridiculous that doesn't sound right but how often do we hear preached if you just live the right way you'll be healthy if you're sick, you just don't have enough faith. You just gotta do these things, then you won't have that. If you don't have enough money, you just don't have enough faith. You're not doing the right things to get. Listen, if you, if you, just, if you just live in a certain way, your job will be blessed, your kids will be fine. If you give more, pray more, everything will be fine. It's, it's just, you'll be healthy and wealthy. Listen, it's a false gospel. It's being sold by so many preachers. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel at all. Because the true gospel says this, that that in spite of living in a broken world where sin does impact us, where I could get cancer, my marriage could have struggles, I could have job problems, and, and, and my finances could be in trouble. It's in the midst of all those circumstances. Here's the real gospel. In the midst of all of that, God has still rescued me. I don't ever lose God. I might lose everything else, but I'll never lose my Savior. That's the gospel. That's the true gospel. This is what's happening in this church is they're getting the gospel wrong. And here's the gospel, the false gospel that permeated the church of Galatia. It was the gospel of religion. The gospel of religion that say, hey, Jesus isn't the only way. There's other ways. And Jesus is cool, but you also need this. Listen, you you can do a lot of great things. You can live a really great life. Without Jesus, you're still blind, lost, and dead. We can never live a good enough religious life to make this jump. Listen, if you're here this morning and you know that you already know Jesus, listen to this, there's nothing you can do more to make God love you more. There's, there's nothing you do to make God love you less. Why? Because it's outside of Jesus, we're not earning God's favor. That's the gospel, that's grace. You're in the the grace of Christ. You're in God's favor because of Jesus. But listen, if you're outside of that, if you don't know Jesus, there's nothing you can do. No no amount of religious activity is gonna make that jump easier. No no amount of trying to impress God with, well, here are the different rituals I'll do. Here are the things, the hoops I'll jump through. Here are the manuals. God doesn't give us rituals and rules and self-help manuals. He gives us himself. Every other religion gives you rites and rituals. And if you do them and you do them well, maybe you'll be accepted by God. And that, that, that's religion. God says, no, I'm going to give you myself. There is no other way. I'll make the jump, he says. So Jesus comes and lives that perfect life that we could not live. Dies the death we're supposed to die because of our sin. Raises again to new life, and he makes that jump. And this idea of, if I do more, I'll be loved more by God, makes Paul so angry. In fact, I believe in verse 4, here, when it says this, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. Well, when you think of evil age, what do you think, right? You think, well, well rapists and murders and, and Montreal Habs fans. Like, that's what you think, right? You think evil people, right? You think evil stuff going on all around, I wonder, though, if what Paul's saying is, here's what I think. I think Paul's talking about the evil age this church is stuck in, this evil that says, do more to be loved by God. Losing the gospel, throwing away grace. And Paul gets so mad at this. In fact, look at verse 8 and 9, what he says about it. He says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. What's Paul saying here? This is strong language. When he says accursed, he's saying, let them go to hell. Now, listen, listen, Paul has a robust theology of hell. He knows what hell is, all right? He, the, some churches don't want to talk about hell. Listen, we know what hell is. There is a real hell, and those apart from Christ who do not give their lives to Christ respond to this grace, there is an eternity of being separated from God in hell. Paul gets that, and yet he chooses those words. It's, I mean, if you mess this up, if this is the gospel being messed up, if they get this wrong, it's a message straight from hell. If someone's teaching religion or legalism or health, wealth, or here's the things you need to do, Paul's saying they can go to hell. That's what he's saying. It's strong language. Why? Because legalism, religion is the enemy of the gospel. What do I mean by legalism? I mean using man-made rules, things we add that aren't even in scripture. We add these, if you do these, you will grow in God. All legalism is, here's what it is, it's somebody who's drowning and you're throwing them a how to swim manual. That's legalism. Somebody's drowning and you're yelling at them, you shouldn't even be in that deep of water. You don't know how to swim. The gospel, Jesus jumps in. There's a rescue. There's life given. And Paul, Paul had been down this religious road. He understood it. This afternoon, read Philippians chapter 3. Paul gives out his whole religious credentials. Here's all the religion I've done. He says, at the end of it, he goes, it's all dung. It's garbage. It's waste. Why? Because it messes with justification. What's justification? That that's you being made right with Christ. It totally messes with that. Justification says this, you're made right because of what Jesus did. Religion says you need to do some stuff. So it totally messes with justification. It also messes, listen, with sanctification. What's that? That's, that's you're a follower of Christ and it's you growing in Christ. You add religion and legalism into sanctification in what should be growing in grace, what should be us living lives in response to what Christ has done for us. And legalism begins to focus in on what you're doing, what you can do. Grace and the gospel always keeps the focus on Jesus. So all the serving, all the giving, all the doing great things counts for nothing in the jump to God. So then what does the gospel do then? If it's me doing nothing, if it's all Jesus and none of me, how does the gospel change me as a follower of Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's our third point. This is what the gospel does. This is what the gospel does. Paul here, radically transformed. Paul is this guy who, who if you don't know the story, used to be known as Saul, okay? When he was Saul, he persecuted the the church. He would take Christians and throw them into jail. He would make sure they were persecuted, they were killed. If you had some Christians in your town and you want to dealt with, better call Saul, right? That's what you do. You go, It's a TV show, whatever. All right, you go after you You get Saul involved. Here, Saul says, that's who I used to be. But look at verse 13. For you've heard of my former life in Judaism, steeped in religion, he says. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Verse 23, he repeats it again. He says, they were only hearing it said, he used to persecute us. Now he's preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Paul was radically transformed by the gospel. He was steeped in religion that led to to fear and insecurity, right? That that fear that says, I could never live up to these standards. I can never meet what what this Christianity says I need to do. Uh, I could never do enough to be loved and accepted. That's what religion leads to. And if it doesn't take you down that path, it'll take you down the path of pride. Why? Because maybe you're not insecure that you're not doing enough. Maybe you're here this morning going, I'm killing it. I am the perfect Christian in this church, right? It only leads you to pride. And you start to judge others who aren't living up to the standard you think you're meeting. Listen, we, all of us, need grace. The gospel deals with your insecurity. The gospel deals with your pride. The gospel takes you to that place where you say, God, the fact that you saved me, you delivered me, you redeemed me, you rescued me, this changes everything. I'm gonna treat people differently because of this. Now I forgive, now I love, now I overlook offense, now I, I bear people's burdens, now I live out grace. You begin to treat people differently as a response to this gospel, why? Because you understand more deeply what grace is. I mean, think about it. If you're like, I just want to be a nicer person, and you try to be nice, people are jerks, right? It's hard to do. you, You keep trying to be nice, and people just aren't nice back to you. Eventually, you get tired of it. But what if you've truly been saved? I mean, what if you truly understand the weight of your sin? What if you truly understand the cost it took for Christ to pay for that sin, to make that jump for you, that he gave his life for you and you've been rescued? Listen, grace flows from that. You treat people differently. Where grace abounds in a community. If there's a church where grace is abounding, the masks are gone. People aren't hiding in their sin any longer because you understand your own sinfulness. You understand the amazing truth of God's forgiveness for you. Listen, listen, we should be the most understanding, the most forgiving, the most loving people in all of Muskoka and Perry Sound. God's forgiveness should lead us to that. It leads us to treat people differently. Listen, the gospel also changes us this way. It it leads us to be radically generous people. Why? Because I don't need to cling to my stuff for significance anymore. That's not where I find my hope any longer. I don't find my meaning and my purpose so I can be generous. I don't need to fear any longer of what tomorrow brings. And and so I get to have this deeper joy and assurance. And I want to ask Is do you have that this morning? Do you have this assurance of who you are in the gospel. Like, if I were to ask you right now, okay, scale of one to ten, you're showing up in heaven this afternoon. Scale of one to ten, one meaning I have no idea. Ten meaning, man, I am sure that when I stand before the Lord God, I know I stand redeemed and righteous because of Christ. Listen, you can be a ten this morning. When you understand the gospel, it brings that assurance. that You, don't know, you no longer wonder and worry, am I accepted or not? Because you know the truth. How else will it change us? Here's another way it changes. It changes our worship. You begin to celebrate grace. I mean, our church should be marked as a church of joy and celebration, right? Why is that? Because you you come into church and here's the mindset we should have. We should show up and we show up in God's presence and go, I can't believe I get to be here. I, I can't believe I get to worship Jesus. And, and, and if you find yourself in that placement, you get kind of fired up even during worship, during singing, right? And maybe this morning, you're like, yeah, but I'm not one of those hand raiser, jump around on my knees kind of people. But, but listen, when the gospels change you, you, you understand why others are, don't you? And maybe that's not how God's wired you. Maybe, maybe there's, there's another place in your soul, in your heart, where you're just as celebratory. And maybe you're not that person. I'm going to warn you. you start here, it's going to get, right? And you move, right? you got the, I'm going to be here. Now I'm going to be here. i got the worship flipper. It's going to go up, right? It's going to happen, right? Why? Because there's a joy that should be bubbling from like because I get the gospel. I'm so full of joy because of this. You've gone from death to life, so you show up with this nothing but thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Church that stops celebrating the gospel, listen, when we stop celebrating the gospel, we'll stop sharing the gospel. This has got to be a place where we celebrate grace. When we stop celebrating grace, we stop sharing grace. When we stop being fired up by the gospel, you start, start being a church, that goes, man, the gospel again. Now listen, we should be, every time we hear the gospel, it should fire us up and go, man, I can't believe that that's what I have, and I'm praying that somebody else here gets that too. And we start to share this gospel. It changes the way we live. We'll do anything to serve the one who saves us. Living a holy life then isn't a burden any longer. We just, God, you love me so much, I wanna do whatever it takes to serve you, to surrender everything to you. So listen, if you're here this morning, as the worship team comes up, as we end off this morning, if you're here this morning and, and you are a follower of Christ, listen, you don't obey, you don't do things to get acceptance from God. You don't obey to get acceptance. Listen, you obey because in Christ you are accepted. You don't work for acceptance, you work from your acceptance. Listen, the gospel changes everything. And people came into this church in Galatia and began to say, no, 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 no. God only loves you if and Paul said, hey, hey, when those people come in, when those, when those thoughts enter your mind, those thoughts of I need to do more, you can tell those thoughts, thoughts, you can go to hell. Right? When somebody comes to bring, I wouldn't tell them that, but if somebody comes to a false gospel, listen, in your heart you can know that's not true. That's a lie from hell. I know the gospel. We need this. We need to be reminded again and again. Why? Because we will lose it. We will drift. As a church, we drift. As people, we drift. We gotta continue to come back again and again to remind ourselves. And listen, if religious people get uncomfortable in this series, that's the point. It's about the gospel. We need to be set free. Grace is the root, and peace then becomes the fruit. So our goal in this series is this. Our goal is freedom. Freedom. Freedom that comes from the great cost that Christ paid. So our our response this morning, if you know Christ, what's your response this morning to the gospel? It's where you say, Jesus, you gave it all. Maybe your response this morning is to say, you know what, I, I, I thought I was following Jesus, but, but maybe I don't get this. Maybe I'm not alive because I'm not living this out. And you said, Jesus, you gave everything for me, so I'm giving my all to you. All my past, all my hurts, all my sin and shame, all the good things that I bring to the. I'm giving it all. I'm surrendering everything to you. And then I want to live out this gospel. I want to love my community. I want to be radically generous I want to be a church where people come and they meet Jesus. And we don't get there by by me preaching a bunch of rules and a bunch of of guilt. No, we get there because grace changes us and fires us out of here as agents of grace. if, If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, You say, I'm that person on the other side of that great jump. I've never made that jump. What's it look like for me? It's the same same thing for you. It's a a moment of surrender. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe with your mouth? Do 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 you proclaim that? Do you believe it in your heart? Do you declare it with your mouth? I mean, that's your move this morning, to respond to this grace. You're like, man, I've never said yes to the gospel before. Today, I, I mean, I, I've been following these false gospels. I, I've been doing religion. I've been b- gathering other stuff around me. And listen, when you hit that place, where you say, today, I know what I need. I, I need Jesus. I need to say yes to him. T- today's my day for freedom. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we continue to work our way through the book of Galatians, Lord God, that that you would teach us grace. I pray that as we dig into it, Lord, Lord, may we be shocked by grace, shocked by the gospel. May we be transformed by the gospel and by grace. Father, we wanna be an impact in our families, in our community, and we know that the answer for that is the gospel. Lord Jesus, that you came and you lived the life that we could not live. You died the death that we should die to pay for our sin. You you paid that price for us on the cross. Rose again to give us new life. God, may we be forever changed by that. May we never be bored by the gospel. But transformed. And I pray this in Jesus' name.